Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so glad that you are joining us. And today we're just going to say, wow, what a year. Like, I don't even know how to really go past that. So we're going to kind of look at uh, COVID uh, and not so much the debatable topic, but but definitely where are we as an industry as a result? I think there should definitely be some confetti, some celebration. We need some of those like, you know, party horns because yay, we survived. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard to to imagine. Um, I don't know about all of y'all who are listening, but you know, March 13th of 2020 was the last time I did things with a group of after schoolers. And here we are, like I haven't really fully engaged in that community since then. um, Because there's just not enough... I blame Not my brother. Kids back in school. Yeah, I blame my brother. <laughs> my brother is born on March 13th, so it's obviously his fault. There's no other possible explanation, right? <laughs> well, you know, it was Friday the 13th. I mean, we could really get in and, you know, um, all kinds of, um, shall we go with speculation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it it sure has been, it's been rough on, you know, everyone, but... I think after healthcare providers, in a lot of ways, childcare is at least in the top five as far as how rough a year it was. Well, let's talk about this. I mean, but wait a minute. Let's think this through. Without childcare, there wasn't even healthcare. I mean, we were such the unforgotten industry from day one. And I think that uh, you and I definitely were involved very that first few weeks. Uh, you stayed involved supporting the directors around the state daily for for months. Yeah. Uh, and I still a, a resource. Yeah. I mean, early March, uh, I had to send out four, e- three or four emails in one week because Things came up during the week. So instead of my normal sending one email a week, I kept, I was like, should I send them another email today? (laughs) I felt a little bad. And one of my directors was like, hey, you haven't weighed in on this thing yet. I was concerned. Are you okay? And I went, oh, okay. And I said, I was worried about bugging you guys every single day. She's like, no, bug us every single day. Give me the updates. So I, I wrote another update that day. <laughs> um, well, and, and uh, just real quick for frame of reference, if you come back and listen to this, um, not on the day we, we launch it, you know, we, we've sent out some updates this week. Uh, we, the day we are recording this is obviously not the day it comes live because our schedules don't work that well. <laughs> so... Well, and we need to, to give we need to give our editor a little bit of time to correct the worst of our mess ups. We try to keep it pretty, you know, real, but she does remove the worst of our errors. <laughs> yeah. So, so we are. By the time you listen to this, we will have been uh, about a week. Uh, since the state of Texas mandatory mask mandate had been lifted. And there's been, um, well, we'll just say different feedback. 
And well, there was uh, a lot I, of know. concern from directors as to does this affect childcare? It says we're a hundred percent open and nobody has to wear masks. And we had to reassure centers that, well, the state, uh, emergency orders that don't allow anybody into your building are still in effect. So it doesn't matter whether (laughs) parents think they can come into your building with or without a mask, they can't come into your building. So it's kind of a moot point, but you know, that the centers get to make that decision as a business as to whether they're going to continue to ask people to wear masks or not. It's just no longer a government mandate but many businesses are still requiring it, even though the governor hasn't uh, has lifted the state rule about it. Exactly. So we still have uh, local municipalities that will do what they want to do. Um, county municip- you know, county health uh, on top of CDC guidelines. And so as a childcare, as an industry, a lot of times we look for professional input. Um, I remember when uh, you and I first started really talking about playground safety. And, and in 2002, <laughs> this was not something that everybody was really um, thinking about or being proactive about. Uh, when we started looking at um, being environmentally friendly as a as a as an industry we were pretty much at the beginning of that as well and now there's all kinds of you know resources out there but um, make sure that you're comfortable with that whatever your decision is and yeah your decision can change but make sure you're finding the research and not just the opinion pieces right but I mean over the course of that year so many centers have had to uh, how do I put this kindly? Get with the program. <laughs> Come out of the 1900s. Um, adopt technology in a way that we hadn't necessarily wanted to in the past. So, so many centers have had to go to having some sort of electronic communication tool, you know, Hi Mama or Kangaroo Time or, you know, there's 20 different versions of that. Um, because the teachers can't talk to the parents every day. So while enrollment was down, we had to invest in some technology and some applications in order to continue to communicate with parents so that parents would want to continue to bring their children or start bringing their children back if they were at home. Um, I mean, what do you think has been the biggest technology change over the past year? In childcare, that was that was not where my head was going. So let me wrap it back around. Um, as far as technology change, I think that even understanding how a center can use technology to support their families who may not have come in. So um, you know, some of my favorite are the virtual story times and the the staff who are um, still trying to also be um, very useful to their program and to the parents, but yet maybe they themselves or their family are uh, in, a, in a situation where they weren't comfortable in coming back into um, a brick and mortar setting. So I think integrating the technology and looking at our staff and our program in a whole new way, a kind of an outside of the box, not the way we've always done it. 
um, has definitely, in my mind, been probably the biggest takeaway um, for the past year uh, related to the pandemic that can continue to be used and moved forward. Like there's the automation of the business, but to me it was um, ways to integrate that don't make your head, you know, that's not just putting a kid in front of a television for, you know, because you couldn't come up with another activity to do. Well, I mean, there's also the virtual tours. I think that has been another big technology shift. Um, and some centers have done it really well and others have really struggled through the virtual tours. Well, there's definitely going to be a component of the way we market and the way we evaluate what we offer. So I think um, the, the, the centers and programs that were able to literally pivot um, and get out of their comfort zone really quickly to be able to offer services to their community, um, I think were the ones that were able to um, maybe feel the, the least amount of stress. Yep. Um, which isn't still saying much on a scale of one to a hundred, that's probably putting them at like 75 versus 98, but yeah. um, they, they, they had a little less stress. So I think that those who are willing to pivot and, and that's hard. I mean, if you are, um, I think everybody's going to be tired of that word and never want to hear it again. Once we're finally completely done with, with all this COVID, because we've heard about, the NFL had to pivot and the NBA had to pivot and this person had to pivot and your business had to pivot and your personal, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so done with that word. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, done with it or not, it is what it is. And if you think about the different management styles, so if you haven't listened to our episode on management styles, um, it's pretty easy to, to see which management styles that probably worked for and which ones didn't. Yep. Um, Entrepreneurs, generally, we like change. I, I definitely like change. And I think some of it that we have had in the industry is long overdue, like automating things and um, stuff like that. But even my love of change has been a little bit taxed this year. <laughs> <laughs> delivered, how um, staff and directors are receptive to training. Um, I mean, we've been doing, you know, online training for 16 years, and we really were one of the first in the industry providing this level of training to childcare directors and owners across the country. And now it's the only option. And so folks didn't really, you know, if you weren't already comfortable doing Zoom or Facebook Live, if you didn't already know how to change your name, I am guessing that in the last year, you now know not only how to launch Zoom, but you know how to change your name <laughs> because there's probably more than one of you in your house using that Zoom and uh, it makes a difference. On... And how to remove filters so that you don't show up for a work thing as a cat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i so, hope that yeah. meme lasts um, forever i really do <laughs> i love that meme i'm not a I cat I, judge 
I just think it should be, I mean, I often use this picture when I do trainings and it's Stitch reading to a bunch of ducks and he's reading, you know, the ugly duckling. And to me, I always kind of use the phrase, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but yeah, the whole cat thing, I have to figure out how to work it into like every training I ever do. <laughs> and, um, you know, as a, as a person who loves to do training and interacting with people, it's hard. It definitely because, is. You know, we've definitely had to rethink how everything is delivered. Um, we kind of, we, we kind of chuckle. So if you go back and look at when we first launched our podcast and, um, you know, we are on season two. And so we didn't launch it because of COVID. We had actually started the process almost five months earlier. It just took us a while to feel comfortable putting it out there. (laughs) And we had six episodes when we did. So like when we launched, we launched with six episodes and a couple of bonus episodes. So, um, you know, we as professional support staff to early child care directors um, have had to make our change, but we are very aware that the directors and their staff and their parents and even the children in their program have had to have a lot of change thrown at them over the year. And I think uh, the child care industry having to play a, a major mental health role is another big change that I'm hoping we're able to uh, support the staff and directors in training, more of that training as we go through. And we're able to do it in ways that aren't like a, you know, oh crud, your kids are asking questions and you don't know how to answer them. So hopefully we'll be able to be, I think, maybe more proactive in younger kids' mental health staff training. Did that make sense? Did I yeah. get all that in the... Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think... There's also been a huge mental health issue for directors because seeing so many programs in your area shut down and knowing, you know, you had to probably at least furlough staff for a period of time and maybe had to do layoffs. But now you're in a situation where you're trying to hire and it's hard to hire. I mean, you know. 160,000 jobs have been lost in our industry. Approximately one in five centers have closed permanently. I mean, that alone is such a mental weight. Okay. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Okay. So if you're a director and you're listening to us and you currently have a center, I want you to really think about As more businesses open, don't make the assumption that locations that used to be childcare centers are still going to be good locations if you decide you want to expand or support your community. Because remember, every industry is shifting. Yeah. And so although more and more people will be going back to work, it could be a really, really long time, if ever, when people go back to a brick, a lot of people end up truly back in brick and mortar settings. I think you're going to see more and more people permanently working from home uh, because, you know, their company made this change, invested in this infrastructure, you know, and if people are able to do it and like it and they have the option, they'll probably stay that way. So you need to think as a child care center how you can be there to support those families um, because those families are juggling, you know, kids at home, work from home, all of that. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to want to use 
um, our industry. So I'm not saying that I think childcare will stay low. Um, I, I think it will definitely increase. I just kind of doing that warning, I, which I do with a lot of small businesses is just because that had been a childcare center doesn't mean it will always be a good location for a childcare center. Right. Because if your center had been in the middle of the technology district, <laughs> you know, if you'd been serving a lot of software development companies, um, they're not going back to the office in you know, my husband's company let their lease go for their office building in our city. So all of the employees in our city will be virtual unless they want to drive an hour down the road to the next town. Well, from our house, an hour and a half. Um, so if you had had a child care center right near them and expecting that large technology company and the car dealership and, you know, the other big employers down there to be where your market was, uh, that's gone forever in that particular area because you don't have all of those software developers working in the office. They're all working at home, but the childcare center that's right down the road from me in my neighborhood they're probably doing just fine because the neighborhood-based centers are going to have an easier time right now as opposed to the ones in industrial areas. Absolutely. Or, yeah, industrial or industry-based. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, and, and Carrie and I have seen this. You know, we, we see people... Um, we see centers have constant turnover. I mean, even the centers that, um, you know, leased space from school districts or were right next to schools. And <laughs> oh, goodness. Those centers, their... those after school yeah. programs have just had a wreck of a year. Oh, yeah. Not even the after school programs, but I'm thinking the preschools that served the, the teachers. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, the teachers are at home as well. So, again, um think through, you know, you might be looking at maybe smaller spaces, more flexible schedules. Um, again, it's a time for, uh, if you need to brainstorm, pick up the phone, give Carrie or I a call. We'd be happy to kind of talk through, help you do that market research. Um, you may have only ever did market research when you first looked to open your program. And other than that, maybe all you've ever done is kind of see what other people in your community are charging. You know, is it time to raise your rates? Um, I think now we're going to have to really evaluate how to serve your clients. And so that's a lot of questions. And, you know, this is a great time, speaking of technology, getting really good at using, you know, SurveyMonkey. Yep. <laughs> you know? SurveyMonkey and um, Google Forms. Guys, they don't cost anything. <laughs> you can get a lot of information by using those tools. I'm all about stretching the dollar. So use the free tools as a way to get started and see where you need to spend money to do more market research. But you can do the first layer of market research for free. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, we, we acknowledge and we understand if you're sitting here just shaking your head going, I just don't even know where to go. I mean, I'm about to look at April. You know, are you one of those, are you people who are incredibly optimistic and you've got your summer planned? Are you still very cautious because nothing's open? So if you're going to do school agers and do field trips, you can't really start making those plans you can tentatively make those plans um but we've again, got think- to i mean we have to <laughs> i understand that we thought we had a plan for last summer and that kind of exploded um or deflated i don't know which one it was <laughs> 
But, you know. Pull it out of the drawer and dust it off. I mean. See what you, you can do with last. The wheel. Yeah. See what you can do with last year's plan. Um, because you probably had limited field trips last year. But, man. I, I feel like, again, maybe I'm just ridiculously optimistic. But I really feel like by this summer, the kids are going to be able to get together in large groups. They're going to be able to go to the pool. <laughs> They're going to be able to do summertime kids stuff uh, in a more normal way. But again, this is where it's going to pay for you to use those free tools to ask your parents, what are they going to want and what could they use? Um, And and again, reaching out to those school age families, because even if you hadn't normally been a school age program, Again, this might be something that you need to explore being able to provide because even if it's one week at a time and you literally look at it a camp perspective or it's just mornings or, or drop in, have some idea what's going to work for you and for your staff and what your parents are going to need. Because as, a, as a, a parent working from home, there is going to be a need for a couple of days a week. I mean, I, I always had, not always... But my youngest spent a lot of time in Mother's Day Out programs because, you know, working from home, there was only so much I could do when there was a toddler afoot. (laughs) Well, and the same is true, quite honestly, about tweens. Um, Because a silent tween is kind of like a silent toddler. (laughs) you're kind of concerned with what is happening when you don't hear any sounds from a 10 year old. Um, So I think it might be worth, you know, creating some programs for those 10 to 12 year olds, the, or nine to 12 year olds, whatever uh, in your community, because they've been at home and their parents are anxious about the amount of time they've been spending on Fortnite or whatever, you know, games they've been playing. And they want them to go do something. But they also are like, I now know a lot more about what shenanigans my nine-year-old can get up to. And they don't want them unsupervised. I was raised in the 70s. Our parents had no idea what shenanigans we could get up to at that age. (laughs) But these parents now know (laughs) what their kids can get up to, even in their own house. And so I think there's going to be an increase in a need for programs for those older elementary school kids. I really do. Absolutely. And I wouldn't rule out the ability of having some sort of counselor and training or, you know, for siblings, you know, because again, you don't, not every 15 year old wants to be babysitting their 12 year old over the summer. Right. And so again, this doesn't have to be an everyday thing. It doesn't have to be an all day thing, but again, having those options. And if you are a more community based location, Um, That's going to be easier for you to find some of those CIT, work study, volunteer, whatever fancy term you want to give them, intern. (laughs) Um, Help them be productive and find some some purpose right now. I think a lot of people are definitely um, struggling with that purpose if they've been in front of, you know, doing school online for an entire year that was not by choice. Or going to school in a mostly empty school. Um, one of my best friends, her kids are in middle school. 
So a little older than, you know, we typically have at our centers, but it was a school built for over a thousand children and they had on average 65 kids per day. Wow. And I think whether they were in physical school or at home uh, doing virtual schooling, those kids just want a little bit of normal (laughs) and a little bit of an ability to assert their dominance. (laughs) Because if you're at home with your parents, you got nobody to assert dominance over other than maybe little siblings and your parents are going to catch you at it if they're also in the house all the time. Um, Or if you're in a school where you have less than a 10th, the number of kids you normally do, you're not able to find your group of humans. You know, Um, I think, I think that's going to be a huge need, but that's looking forward. Part of what we were trying to do today is take a minute to look back at everything you overcame in the past year and and how much success you have gathered. I don't know what the right verb there is, but you've been successful. You made it through a year that without a doubt is historic. <laughs> you know, people use that term all the time, but this last year, is absolutely historic. It will be something people study in their history books. Yes, you will definitely. I mean, I I grew up in the Midwest and I remember there were, you know, when people would talk about the blizzard of, well, guess what? We we are long past, you know, a blizzard or a drought um, or or some of those things that have made history history books. and, And this is, it's been a year. And so... Um, if you are still around and you can periodically get past your pandemic wall and you get to work and you realize the the kids that you're serving and you hear lovely stories from the parents, how much they appreciate you being there, that's why you're here. And we just want to uh, give you uh, just all the claps and applauses that we can. And like Carrie said, if we could, could, could do fireworks, we would. Um, but you know, take that, still take that time for yourself, but, but do pat yourself on the back because you definitely have deserved it. Even if it wasn't smooth sailing, um, even if all you did was have some bumps along the way, I'm guessing that you've learned a thing or two and, uh, you know, good luck. And, and we look forward to, to hearing from you and, uh, tell us your story. Yep. Reach out to us at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. Um, and please share this episode with other providers um, and, you know, go ahead and write a review for us in your favorite podcasting app. The most influential is Apple iTunes, but any podcasting app helps. But really, we want to say congratulations on having such a life-changing year in the books and stuff, but. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.